I'm Brandon Reed, and you're listening to Real Estate for the Rest of Us, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of real estate investing. I want to cut through all the industry jargon and instead serve up actionable and unintimidating information that you can use in your own real estate journey. I interview real estate professionals, and we talk about their real-life experiences. It's real simple. Now let's get into the show. In today's episode, I talk with Alicia Jarrett. Alicia has built a business halfway across the world. No, literally. uh, She's halfway across the globe in Australia, uh, building a brand, a team, and her business without even being on the same continent as the deal she's doing. There's so many intricacies in the details of how to invest in another location than where you live. But to build an entire business based on that model... Well, Alicia has taken on that challenge and has seen some incredible results while she's done so. Listen to our conversation to hear more about how she did it and what she's learned along the way. I hope that in this interview, you find practical insights that you can learn from or directly apply as you continue on your own journey in real estate. And now here's my conversation with Alicia. All right, guys. uh, Today we have Alicia Garrett with us. Uh, How are you tonight, Alicia? I'm good, thanks, Brandon. It's actually good. Jarrett, not Garrett. You Jarrett. got it right the first time. <laughs> I had it right the first. I just asked you. I said, "What is?" And you just told. Me. I wrote it down. Goodness, I should have looked at the note I just took. Well, thank That's you. That's okay. It's all good. <laughs> it's late there for you and early for me, but thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your uh, insight with my listeners. Um, Let's dig right into a little bit of your of your background, kind of how you got started first in real estate. What yep. kind of yeah started that journey for you? When was it? Kind of break that down for us. Yeah, absolutely. So as your listeners can probably tell by my accent, I'm an Australian and uh, I'm currently speaking to Brandon from the future. Uh, just to let you all know, so the the 16th of November, all is looking good. Everything is fine. Um, but uh, we started Brandon about. About five years ago, we started investing in the US. And prior to that, my partner, Matt, and I had been doing some investments here in Australia, just outside of our normal business and our normal jobs. But the entry to market here in Australia and the limited options that you have around creative real estate investing kind of make it prohibitive for a long-term full-time business strategy. Um, So we started looking at other markets about five years ago. And we came across the, obviously, the US market. Um, funny story though, it's actually, I went along to an event where I got to see a lot of keynote speakers talk about their businesses. And one of them was about fixing and flipping homes in the U S and, uh, I went and signed up for a course. And I remember coming home and saying to my partner, Matt, babe, I've I've just signed us up to do a course on real estate in uh, real estate investing in the U S fixing and flipping homes. And he's like, you've done what? (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, a couple of months in, we we went along to the course and we both loved it and thought, you know what, we can make a go of this. And we did, we did our first couple of houses in Florida, funnily enough, um, Florida is our market and, um, and absolutely loved it, Brandon. But I guess, like any good real estate investor, you need to pause and assess your strategy regularly. Real estate goes through cycles and so for your your, your strategy needs to go through that cycle as well. So about a year in, um, we were starting to see the change in the cycle for single family homes. And that was, it was becoming so much more competitive to not just find an off-market property and get in first, but super, super competitive to get and keep contractors on your job. So we thought, you know what, 
This is getting challenging. Maybe it's time to review our strategy and change our asset class. So we moved from homes to land. We have been investing in land in a number of different investment strategies now for about four and a half years, Brandon. Uh, and we love it. So we've now got a team of three full-time customer service people that do all of my seller calls, all of my buyer calls, all of my negotiations with land. Um, and uh, and it's fantastic. And that has led us down the path of having a number of other businesses in the States around real estate. So here we are a few years later, uh, going strong and still doing it from another country. So it's pretty exciting. Amazing. That's just amazing. I, I love hearing a story when... Um, when partners are able to do it together and work well together. Yeah. I'm assuming you guys are both still doing the businesses together. We are. We've now got four businesses that we do together wow. and we've still managed to stay together through that time too. So. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Something's working. Something's working. Well, that's great. I mean, so help me um, uh, understand that transition or that process of you kind of, because you're right. I mean, um, you saw the writing on the wall. Like I think a lot of people did of like, man, it's getting competitive to get. In. I mean, that's been happening for a while. It's just been creeping oh, yeah. and creeping up more and more. And so you said, uh, you said land, why land? Why not? Okay. Multifamily or okay. I mean, yeah. why switch to land? Why was that the next step for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. So I guess the, the first thing we had to weigh up with our asset class is the ease of being able to do that asset class from another country. Because one of the things that we did notice with single family homes is managing a project team, having things go wrong on the ground and needing our boots on the ground to go out and help us. When you've got an actual asset um, like a building on the property. So it's a developed property, be that if it's multifamily, mobile homes, um, single family homes, self-storage, whatever it is, it comes with a whole another raft of problems. Whereas land doesn't have a lot of those problems. Um, a lot of land, it's just a vacant canvas waiting for someone to do the right, uh, right painting on it, so to speak. Uh, so when we looked at different asset classes, we kind of looked at what would be the most easiest for us to do that also allowed us to have the right velocity of money. So how many deals could we cycle through? Um, and also allowed us to manage a couple of different investment strategies around it. And we kept coming back to land, Brendan. It, was, it wasn't seen as sexy. It wasn't seen as like, oh, that's super exciting. But that also was a good thing for us because it wasn't an oversaturated market. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I've I've talked to um, a couple people more recently on the show about um, at land and how they got started in land. And it's just interesting to me that, um, it, you know, there's so much out there, so much content out there about how to get started in real estate. And yeah, there's yeah. a lot about land, but a lot less about land than any other really strat or then a lot of other strategies. How did yeah. you start to then break down, okay, if this is the next step for us, this is a lesser walked path of real estate. Where yep. did you start digging in to learn what you needed to? Yeah. So we went and did uh, a training course, just like everybody else out there. There's real estate investment, investment courses for every asset class you can think of. So we went uh, along and did a training course with Land Profit Generator. Um, and we went, my partner, Matt, actually went over and did that in person um, and then we had a coach that helped us out with our first few deals. And that was fantastic. So that gave us the basics, Brandon, to really look at as an asset class, how do we work this asset class differently? How do we categorize what's a good deal? Our data, our direct mail, our marketing, um, how we run comps, how we do analysis. So all of those end-to-end -end things were a little different from houses, but not that different. So we went along and did the training to get the basics and then put that those basics into practice. Um, but then probably about six months in, 
we started to also see that there was an opportunity for us to do it better. Now, I'm not dissing the real estate educators out there. There's a lot of fantastic real estate educators, but a lot of them only teach you the basics and they don't really teach you how to run a business. So, you know, Brandon, have you ever heard of a book called The E-Myth? No. Mm -mm. So The E-Myth is by Michael Gerber. It's called The Entrepreneurial Myth is what the E stands for. And basically, it comes back to the premise that, you know, you can be an awesome hairdresser, but it doesn't mean you're going to be good at running 10 hairdressing salons. You can be an awesome mechanic. doesn't mean you're going to be good at running a whole franchise shops of of mechanics. And same with real estate. You can be great at doing a deal, but it doesn't mean you're going to be good at running the whole business side of, of real estate. And so we really had to sit back about six months in and look at, okay, if we want to move this from a hobby, which is one or two deals a month, to a business, which is five to 10 deals a month and then some, how do we need to think about this business differently? And how do we need to structure this to be very entrepreneurial in our approach and start to look at the whole acquisition side of, of land and the disposition side of land? Um, and that led us to our, our next business that, that we started, which is Supercharged Offers. So we now have a land business running, but we now also have a real estate marketing business for real estate investors who have trouble with that stuff, that they know they're good at doing the deals, but maybe they're not good at managing data, managing direct mail, managing online marketing. So we we saw a space in the market to fill that, and that's led us to really grow our business a lot as well, Brandon, which has been really exciting. Amazing. I mean, that yeah, that's really neat to hear how uh, so many people don't start with that mindset. So many people just get started. They, uh, you know, what's the ready ready fire aim and they just get yeah. going and they start doing their deals and then they're three or five deals in maybe even like a virtual assistant or another helper in and they're like man I have started my business out on the wrong foundation and now that I'm scaling my scaling is inefficient my processes are already broken and I'm not yep. even to where I want to be and so to, to set that up the right way from the beginning to, to the extent that you can right because everybody's yeah. learning as you go but yeah. um, that, that's the right approach and I don't hear very many people taking it so that's really neat. No, and and what's also really interesting around that, Brandon, so, you know, part of our our service with Supercharged Offers, and I'll I'll give this to all of your listeners, no matter what asset class you're in, if you just go to superchargedoffers.com, we've actually got a free, what we call a No More Excuses Business Growth Plan. That's actually the name of it, No More Excuses Business Growth Plan, because I find that there's so many people out there that are like, oh, I I can't grow because I don't have the right VA. Oh, I can't do this because I I don't know where my next, you know, part of my business is going to grow or I've got all these ideas in mind, but I don't quite know how to execute it. And what I see so much is, as you said, ready, aim, fire, but without a strategy. So the business growth plan is free. They can go and download it anytime they want. And it is geared for real estate investors to really map out what is my strategy for my asset class? Who am I going after? How many deals do I want per month? And if I reverse engineered those numbers, what does that look like in terms of offers made, calls that I need to return, calls that I'm expecting to receive, comps that I need to run? How do I reverse engineer all of that so that I can start to really think strategically and systematically about how I want to run my pipeline and my business? Um, and, And that was one thing that we saw very early on with even us for our own business. When we got started, Brandon, we weren't thinking that way. We were ready, aim, fire to the point, Brandon, that the first letter that I've said this on a few podcasts now, the first mailing we ever did for our land business, we were in that much of a hurry to get our mailer out that we, we 
misprinted the phone number and got the phone number run the wrong way. Oh, no. So we of got no things. calls until oh, this man. poor woman rang us and said, I think you guys have stolen my identity. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that we'd accidentally put her phone number on, on our wow. all mail and not ours. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Of all things to, to miss. Oh, man. That's you live funny. and learn. <laughs> uh, I'm Yes, you, in, indeed you do. So um, let's talk, you know, now you're um, – even helping and teaching others to learn how to build their business the right way from the beginning and how to yes. how to break through some of those roadblocks either mentally or actually tangibly in their business as they get started. But yep. uh, let's take a step back and talk about how you and your partner Matt did that initially. I mean, how how do, okay? So land you you decided you want to get involved in real estate. You look at the single family market that felt too competitive. You look at land and that felt like it was right for you. Then you thought, okay, land, but not here in Australia. Let's look in in the U.S. And what are the next steps even from there? That sounds very. Yeah. That sounds so big to me. That sounds so intimidating, um, <laughs> especially in a country, yeah, that you're not even in. Um, exactly. How did you take your next steps? So it was actually, it was pretty easy, Brandon, because we were already doing single family houses in Florida. For us to do land in Florida was just like, it just felt like the natural progression. It was just expanding out our reach when it comes to what types of properties we want and where we want. So where we started was research. Research into land really looks at what are the growth path cities? What's the migration into those cities look like? What's the job growth or job loss? Is there local government infrastructure going into play? Um, you know, are there enough buyers and sellers when it comes to activity in those areas that you've got market demand and supply? Um, so what's going on? Are there developers in there doing new things? So it starts with research, finding your cities. We tend to stay away from the big cities, so Miami, don't even bother. <laughs> but we definitely do stuff around Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, but not necessarily in the city, but it might be like, you know, 10 miles out. Um, so first of all, research your areas uh, and you can do that in any state. Second, run your numbers. Are there enough deals for you to actually market to those areas and, you know, get those deals under contract? And when it comes to running your numbers, when you look at the average price of properties as to what they're selling for for retail, then what's your your position on, on getting it under wholesale so you've got enough spread in the deals? Third, get your data. Go and get your data on all those deals that you want to market to and start mailing. Um, in addition to when we, we we started out, we were just doing mailings, but now we've really combined both the, the offline, which is the, the mailings, with the online. So we're doing a system in supercharged offers, Brandon, where we're sending out the direct mail, but at the same time, we're blasting out our list with Google ads, Facebook ads. We've got a Facebook page that's running. So um, we do a whole bunch of other things to really retarget them online as well. And that, that's been awesome. But going back to when we started, data, mailings, as soon as we get the mailings uh, back um, and people want an offer, run our comps, do our analysis, send them an offer. And it, it's pretty... It's not much more complicated than that. I think there's a lot of people that might overcomplicate it and then they get sure. paralysis of analysis. But once you get that deal under contract, it's just now, okay, I've got a relationship with my seller that I need to nurture and keep that contract going. Now I need to find a buyer. And so the exit strategies for the buyer brand and really come in in three different things. You've got cash deals. So deals that you will literally sell to the retail market for cash and the difference between the seller and the buyer is your profit. Seller finance deals. So we we buy the property from the seller um, and then we find a buyer to make use of the property, but they give us a, a large enough deposit to cover our costs and then they pay it off per month. Awesome way to get cash flow. And the yeah. third one is lease purchase. 
um, as well. So again, similar to seller finance, but they can't do anything with the property until they've paid it off. But um, these purchase on land. Yep. Interesting. Hmm. Yep. And seller finance is the most. Curious about that. I'm not going to ask more about it because I want to hear other about other things that I have written down here. But it's very interesting. Okay, so those three strategies. Yep. Oh, oh, the fourth strategy, by the way, is buy and hold. So we've got a couple of properties that we've actually purchased that. One, we're in the process of subdividing. Another one, we're in the process of working with potential developers on on utilizing it for multifamily. So, you know, we will look at all properties. And I think the thing with land is a lot of people would look at land and and assess a deal and think, oh, that's not very attractive. Well, I wouldn't want to do anything with that. But just like any real estate asset class, it's not about you. It's about your end buyer. If someone can make use of it, it's a deal. Yeah, very true. Um, so, as you as you you said something uh, a little bit ago that um, I I just keyed off something for me that you you'd mentioned when you're looking, you know, you're um, getting your data, you're looking at your your target market or the areas you're interested in. Maybe it's the city, maybe it's ten miles out. Um, and you said something like, you know, and then you just you, it's it's pretty easy to find within there where you know you look at the numbers, you look at the data, and you say the 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 areas that will work kind of stand out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that that to me would be one area that would intimidate me the most. And so I'm trying to just put my you know audience's hat on and think through. Okay, this is an interesting strategy. I, I want to uh, do something remote and would like it to be land. How do I know an area would be a good area to dig into? Um, break that up a little bit more for me. How do you? I mean, it's is it really that simple that just kind of pops off the page like here this is the area of the state or the county that I should do deals it in. really does it, it's all data and research um Brandon mm. it really is but uh and, and it is a numbers game right like like any sure. uh asset class it is a numbers game so you know we we know some particular areas in Florida that we've got deals from before that we keep marketing to yep. we also know that there's some areas that have nothing but wetlands for miles and miles and miles that we won't mail to yep. so Letting your fingers do the research. And what I mean by that is when you find, when you're doing the research and you think, yep, that area, that city, that growth path, everything ticks the right boxes. Now jump into Google and you can outsource this to a VA really easily, by the way. Now jump into Google and do some geographic mapping. Is there, for example, Colorado? Half of Colorado is mountains that is unbuildable. So often people get in and look at things like gradients. You know, is there a whole area that most of that zip code is not really buildable. So then don't include that zip code in your mailings. For Florida, so Brevard County, we know some areas that, funnily enough, we still get under contract and still sell. But early on, we were looking at them like, nah, we can see that that's mainly wetlands or flood zones, so we don't want to go there. So we just make sure that zip code or that subdivision is not included in our data. So knowing where you want to mail and get deals is just as important as knowing where you don't want to mail and get deals. So sifting through that and coming up with your ideal list and then going and getting the data. So you can buy the data from a data retailer. There's many of them out there and you just buy your list. And with that list, you then get that list cleansed. You go to a mail house, <clears throat> excuse me, you go to a mail house and you get started or without sounding like I'm plugging it here, but if you go with Super Josh offers, we do all that sure. for you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, so that's more what you do. That's that's cool. So, um, it, let's let's talk for a second um, about. Okay, so you have you have that those things in place. You know, maybe where you want to market to. Um, but you're in uh, Australia or wherever else you may be. You're in a different mm-hmm. place, and this is remote. Um, you need a team. 
what does that team look like? Who does it consist of as you get started? I had seen something yep. somewhere in uh, your content, maybe it was on LinkedIn or other, that you had said, um, you know, maybe a VA isn't the best place to get started, where most people just think my first step is get a VA. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. curious about that. And then I'm also just curious about, yeah, how do you get your team started? Who are those yeah. initial critical people? Yep. So initial critical people for us were boots on the ground. So um, when we first started investing in the US, uh, we, we did spend a fair amount of time over there. And, and pre-COVID, we were actually spending a couple of months a year in the US, which we love because we've got so many awesome friends over there now. Um, and so our first thing before we even jumped on a plane, we jumped on the phone and we knew that we wanted to focus in Duval County. So Jacksonville being the center. And we just jumped on the phone to some local realtors and said, hey, we're investors, but we are international. Um, we've got a, a whole bunch of money that we want to put into some properties and do some fix and flips. Are you willing to work with us? The only person that called us back, Brandon, he's still on our team today. And his name is Michael Cassidy. And shout out to Michael in Jacksonville. He's a, he's a realtor there. Um, he's been with us since day one. And he's our boots on the ground for a number of things. But then he was able to introduce me to our other boots on the ground over there, our title companies, um, which we have a few of, our probate attorney, our real estate attorney, um, some mobile notaries that he knows, but now they're everywhere thanks to, to COVID, um, other realtors that he knows within his network. So so now that we had that network on the ground, it started there. It didn't start with a VA. It started, who do we need in order to help us orchestrate these deals? Um, who's going to be our eyes and ears for us. Here's the thing with land though, you don't need to go and see it most of the time. Google and all these apps out there now, you've got Landglide. There's even apps out there now, Brandon, for people that like hiking and hunting that you can actually look at what's going on with a piece of land. Like there is hundreds of different pieces of information you can find out about land at the click of a finger. Um, so then uh, we, we had our, our main team in, in the US. It was only when we were about... 18 months to two years in Brandon that we really then started to think about people to add to our team. But before we did people, we focused on process because here's where I see a lot of people going wrong, Brandon. It's like, oh, that's getting hard to do. I'm getting bottleneck there. So I'm just going to hire a person and get them to do it for me. But then also all you're doing is passing the problem onto someone else. And I think what a lot of business people need to do first is think about, well, what is my process and systems that support the outcome that I'm looking for. And once I've got those processes and systems in place, then I'll hire someone to run that for me. Um, so therefore they're not just running the problem, they're running how you want things to work. So where we started was things like putting in our right CRM, putting the right call system in place, making sure that our pipeline management processes were all mapped out and in place. And then we went to hiring people. Yeah, that makes, again, um... Again, you got you talking about uh, thinking through how to build the business right from the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that's exactly how you should approach it. And again, not a, a lot of the time what I see. Um, so that's that's great. Uh, so you find somebody to be, yeah, running those processes after they're in place and humming along a little bit. Yep. Um, it, it, and then is it just truly just the people um, who are there in the areas you're trying to invest in that are kind of all the components of real estate. Like you said, there's attorneys, there's title agents, there's, you know, um, there's obviously real estate agents and such. Um, does it, is there anybody then that you need to be building on your actual staff beyond that? Um, yeah, I guess so. So that was our boots on the ground team. When we were in, in the position that systems and processes were in place and we needed people, 
we then went to Philippines and we have three okay. awesome full-time customer service people. They've been with us from day dot, so over wow. two years now for most of them. And then it became a focus on training. So the, I think this is the other thing I see where people kind of let themselves down a little bit, Brandon, and that is that they'll go and get resources and give them a, a training manual and a little bit of instruction and expect miracles to happen. Sure. They're, they're people. So yeah. we spent probably about a month or more training up our team members on how to do calls, how to negotiate, what are the different things you need to know about real estate, what are some of the things that you're going to encounter and how do you handle those? We did role plays. We did processes we we got them we filmed stuff and then we got them to update the processes and check it and you know we did so much with them to be, to begin with how do you run comps or how do we want you to run comps and uh, and then always gave feedback throughout throughout that process but secondary to that is i have a daily meeting with my team daily and for half an hour we talk about anything that they need to escalate so that they've They've definitely, over the time they've been with us, they know what their job is. They know that they can negotiate between parameters. They know that they can do stuff and then just tell me later, like, I'm not there controlling them because I think that limits somebody's ability to think and grow. So we're like, guys, here's your job. Here's what you can operate between. Go for it. So on a daily basis, when I meet with them, Brandon, it's now about um, this this morning's call is, you know, AJ, a lot of they call me AJ. Uh, we've got three buyers interested in this particular property. One's a seller finance, the other two are cash. Which one do you want me to prioritize? I've sent a contract to this one already. I'm like, yep, go with that. That's great. So it's not like they're always coming to me with problems. They're coming to me with, hey, I've done this. Is there anything more you want me to do? Um, which is great. You know, there's. I'm now in in the situation that I'm probably. I'm not kidding when I say this, probably once or twice a month, I might jump on a call with a seller or a buyer where something's escalated, but most of them, they do. They're amazing. (laughs) And that's all because training and daily check-ins and then using the CRM and the system to help manage and monitor what they're doing. Well, that's awesome. And I, 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 you, you touched on something that's interesting that I know, again, is just a, a big barrier for people as they think, as I scale my business, I lose control of things. I have to allow others, I have to delegate. Um, that's very scary for anybody mm-hmm. as they grow a business. And um, you know, as soon as it's out of my hands, nobody can do it as well as I can. And as soon as it's out of my hands and the business falls apart. And I know a lot of people have that struggle. But what you're saying is like, don't just hand this stuff to them without letting them know how to be successful in it. Build the process totally. first, make sure things are tight and buttoned up, then hand off a successful like running machine to them that they can help manage and continue to move forward. Perfectly and that said, sets Brandon. them and your business up for success. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, when it comes to setting other people up for success, the other thing you'll notice, you know, I, I see a lot of people that have a lot of turnover with their with their VAs. First of all, we don't call ours VAs, they're customer service consultants and they're part of our family and we treat them like that. Um, but uh, what was where was my train of thought going here? Oh, setting people up for success. Yeah. It's, it's that whole, if you set someone up for success and they feel like they're contributing and they feel like they're getting value and they feel like they're part of something, they stay. It's when yeah. we don't set them up for success and now we're having to give them feedback every week that that's wrong and that's wrong and you didn't answer that call right. Well, I say don't look at the at the VA for that. Look to yourself. Put yeah. the mirror up and be like, how did I set this person up for failure versus how did I set them up for success? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I um, you know, as you talk about uh, growing your team and, uh, you know, moving to the next step, growing your business, um, that's just, like I said, that just really resonated with me of you're setting your team up for success by uh, getting them what they need, handing them already successful processes and things and uh, letting them move it forward. You know, you've talked yeah. a little bit about, you mentioned there that your VAs are part of your family. They've been with you for a really long time. I mean, touch real quick for me on um, how you create a culture for uh, your your employees, for the people that you work with and alongside yep. that would make them want to stay, that uh, yeah. helps them feel like they're a part of something. You touched on a little bit like autonomy or yeah, setting them for, uh, up for success by ex- ex- setting expectations clearly. What are some of those things? Yeah, that there's quite a few things. And uh, there's a methodology that I like to refer to a little bit um, that you will have seen maybe on LinkedIn and things as well. And it's called the B-Raft Canvas. And it's something that I sort of created some time ago. I do have a background in, in leadership training and development, and I've just seen how things kind of work. So um, the, or Raft B, should I, should I say, I used to call it B Raft, and now it's kind of Raft B, but think about it like a safety raft. So the first thing we focus on is relationships. So how can I set my team up to have the right relationships with each other? So they back each other. Good example of that is, you know, throughout COVID, two of them have had COVID and in that uh, in the last couple of months and they all know how to do everything and they all just jumped in and took each other's tasks and backed each other up. So they've got a good relationship. But how can I also introduce them to others that would help them be successful? So that's the R. The A is for accountability, which is how can I ensure that we have a culture where promises are kept and people do what they say they're going to do. And if they don't, we know so about that in advance, not later. And that's all about our daily meetings. You know, what's coming up, guys? What's in our pipeline? Do you think you're going to meet that? If not, who do you lean on for help? Um, And I say, the buck doesn't stop with me. The buck stops with you. I'm giving accountability to you to get X, Y, and Z achieved in your role. So really handing that off and not being a control freak. Um, The F is for feedback. And that's just not about me giving them feedback. It's around a, a mindset of constant improvement. And so if they're doing a task and we've got most things like templated and tasks and checklists and things, if it's not working anymore or if stuff needs to be updating, I've got a culture where they can tell me that. It's like, AJ, I've been doing this thing again and I noticed that there's, you know, it's taking twice as long or this isn't working anymore and blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Tell me a new way. Come up with a new way. I don't come up with it. They do. Because if they own it, they're going to do it. So um, feedback's the other thing and feedback both ways. The next one is trust. And that's, you know, we allow them to bring their whole self to work without judgment. Um, It's definitely a judgment-free zone. We talk about families. We talk about the ups. We talk about the downs. It's a completely safe space for them to be themselves. Um, We also, you know, challenge them when it comes to trust stuff. So what I mean by that is getting them to try new things and letting them fail, but knowing that if they do, I'm okay. I can catch them and I can help them with that. So, you know, it's totally okay to give things a go and not not get it perfect. And the last one's boundaries, which is really about understanding the expectation on them on what they, they need to perform, but also where the boundaries start and stop. Where does my role start and stop? Where does their role start and stop? So we're not treading on each other's toes. Over and above all of that, Brandon, is the last thing, which is not in, in what I call the, the raft B, but um, it's reward. So every time we close a deal, they financially um, celebrate in that with us. So we give them bonuses every month to make sure that, 
you know, we're, we're really celebrating that we can't do this without you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bonuses that we give, they're not small and mediocre, they're life-changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's remarkable how many people, um, how people treat the people that are the only reason their business is successful. Totally. And they and they just like, they build their business on the back of these people that just turn over and turn over and turn over and I've never understood that. So it's really neat nope. to to see you treating them well and, and um, kind of living by those methodologies that you've seen be successful. It's really neat. Yeah. And I say to them on a weekly basis, guys, I can't live without you. You're my right arm and my left arm. So I, mm-hmm. I love you all dearly. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's Show really the love. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit from... Uh, we've been talking about land and uh, how you're building your team remotely. That's all so valuable. And, um, you know, I, I haven't talked much about it on this show, so it's just really neat to hear your insight, especially as you've had so much experience in that area. But I'm, I'm interested now in hearing a little bit more generally. I asked this question to all my guests and get a different answer for different reasons. We touched on it a little bit uh, earlier, but what are what did you do as you learned this whole process? Uh, what did you do in your real estate education? One of the things that was just the most valuable to you, was it a seminar? Was it a book? Was it a relationship or conversation you had with a coach? Um, what was the thing that you pressed into that was the most helpful to get you where you are? <laughs> I'll say two things. Uh, one is my wonderful partner, Matt. So him and I are in business together. And I think that allowed us to push each other's boundaries a little bit when it was sure. when we had that self-talk of, holy crap, what are we doing? Are we uh-huh. crazy? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were able to, you know, walk each other back from the ledge, so to speak, as well. The other thing that was really useful for us was joining a mastermind group. Now, there's a lot of them that are online now. Um, we joined one that was actually in person and it was a small one. It was a uh, uh, maximum 30 people. But Some of those people in that group, there's five people in particular, and they'll know who they are if they're listening to this. They are now like family. And the amount of things that we've been able to collaborate with them on, they've helped us, we've helped them. We we have a forum where we can openly have conversations about things that we're dreaming about and wanting to do. And and it's a it's such a supportive relationship that we have with all of them. So so doing that was great. And if people don't, you know, a lot of people starting out, read, they don't have the budgets or the time to go and join a big mastermind. But, you know, I've got a group online that I help manage with another land investor called Land Investing Motivation Mastermind. And it's perfect for people starting out. We have a monthly call. We talk about deals. We talk about strategies. Like there's there's literally hundreds and hundreds of groups out there that pe- people can get involved with and build a network. Yeah, that is so interesting. I hear that so often is like it manifests itself in different ways, but surrounding yourself with the right people is what I hear over and over again. Just get the right people around you uh, yeah. that you can learn from, that you can collaborate with. Mastermind, like you said, is a, a great way to do that. Um, yeah. Well, here's my last question for you is um, if you could go back uh, to the to the start of your journey as a real estate investor and tell that version of yourself something that could possibly save you the most trouble over the, you know, the years of your uh, building your business, what would that be? That would be the most helpful advice to give that version of yourself. Oh, I would probably say back then, considering what we're doing now um, with our our marketing approach and and how different that has made our, our business, I'd probably say, don't listen so much to the educators. Listen to your gut feel about doing things different because sometimes doing things differently or more efficiently or more effectively allows you to stand out from the crowd. 
Yeah, really neat. That's really cool. Yeah, because it's it's hard at the beginning, I think, as you're learning to understand what should I just take on and move forward with? Like, what should I just be hearing and jesting and just moving forward with? Because these people are out there yeah. doing it. And like, and what of your own flavor do you bring to your business and say like, no, I have, I have a gut about this. I know my area better. Like I know, you know, I don't know. It's, it's always hard to weigh that out. Um, and so, yeah, it's just hard to know that at the beginning, but that's yeah, really exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, the other thing in that is back yourself. Um, which we did, but you know, if any, for anyone listening, that's like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this. If I can do this from the other side of the world, um, you know, we we've done deals on the ski slopes in France and on a boat in Croatia. You can literally run this business from anywhere. You've just got to back yourself and believe in yourself. Yeah, really neat. Well, thank you so much for your perspective today. This was really, really helpful, very insightful. I took uh, a couple like really practical notes, and I love that when my when my guests do that, just provide practical pieces of information that my guests that my listeners can take with them rather. So, thank you for doing You're that. You're welcome, Brandon. <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, well, you take care. Thanks, Brandon. If you guys enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. That actually helps a lot to get the podcast out there as people are looking for helpful real estate investing resources online. You can also like our Facebook page to keep up to date with new episodes as they publish. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever podcast player that you use. If you have questions about a specific topic that we covered, or if you have a suggestion about another area that you'd like to see me dig into, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. I'd love to get in touch. You can email me at brandon at realestatefortherestofus.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One show at a time, we'll work to make real estate investing accessible for the rest of us.